This podcast is proudly brought to you by Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world, delivering Australia-wide. Princewinestore.com.au And thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. He is the CEO of the country. He is the managing director. He is the one in charge. And so it is his job to fix it. If you're one of his media advisors, you'd be saying, look, politically, this offers you a fantastic opportunity to show great leadership. Let's capitalise on this. For Scott Morrison to say in Parliament that this is just wonderful that we can march in this country and not be met by bullets Mm. was just such a massive, to me, misunderstanding. And also a deflect. When in doubt, talk about democracy. There are just so many issues. The rule changes. I read the footy pages, I'm overwhelmed. There's always going to be great stories and human stories when the intensity and the worth of the prize is what it is. It was definitely an inference about the age. Oh, you old ducks. Correct, Amondo. So when you're that old, you shouldn't be drinking. You're unlikely to be drinking and having fun. You're on my wavelength, sister. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome, everyone, to episode 164 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Caroline Wilson. I'm here with my sidekick, my bookselling buddy, Corrie Perkin. Hello, Corrie. G'day, Caro. Hello, potties. Another big week, and we thank our sponsors, Red Energy, 100% Australian Electricity and Gas. Um, We'll be talking cocktail cabinet soon, thanks to Prince Wine Store. And Corrie, what another huge week it has been. The, uh, this, um, the local news and the international news just doesn't stop. But before we move into that unbelievable response from hundreds of thousands of Australian women in recent days, I just want to um, share with you some of the response to our extended discussion and occasional disagreement on Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah. Jodie Schaefer via Facebook, she says he couldn't get, she could get flack for this, but isn't it normal to have issues with your in-laws? <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that's the understatement of the year, Jodie. And don't you just keep the peace and secretly roll your eyes and try to be busy with there are family get-togethers. Don't know if that was actually a choice. She does, however, believe that mental health is a serious issue and hopes there is support now. I must say, a lot of negative and cynical response to a lot of what Megan said. And as I said to you last week, a lot of what she said just simply wasn't true. Um, A lot of people didn't buy a lot of her complaints. But on the other hand, as you pointed out, Corrie, there are serious issues that Harry continues to deal with, given what he grew up with and the shocking blow that dreadful tragedy that befell him when his mother died in that terrible car accident and the you know, the aftermath of all of that. Well, I think if you were uh, the firm, which I'll talk about a bit later on, what, is, what actually is the firm, but if you're part of that, if you're part of the royal family, surely you would be working really hard right now to get Harry back to the D- Diana Memorial. Uh, I think it's a statue they're unveiling in July and they're hoping that Harry will come back and you would just try to present some sort of united family front. Uh, all parties should be working together on that one. Despite the Queen's comment that recollections may vary. Yes, exactly. Um, Kim Gosling via Facebook um, says that, I think she's talking about Harry and Meghan, seem to be looking to blame everyone else. Racist remarks aside, and obviously they have been addressed by the palace and the Queen, she places places a lot of the blame on Harry. Three years on from meeting to Megxit, maybe it was all too rushed. Harry should have been explaining protocol... um, 
and um, through his mental health contacts, through Heads Up campaign, surely could have found help for Megan. That is just seems so odd that she pleaded for help and there wasn't anyone she could turn to. I mean, I think she felt lost and I don't deny that, but it just seems odd that... Um, help was not at hand because help should have been at hand and had it been done properly, it would have been at hand. She has no sympathy, though, this is Kim Gosling, for the daddy cut me off financially comments. You leave a job, you don't get paid. Not many have that option of a trust fund from mum to fall back on. That's true. Caro, uh, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about the health benefits of swimming in cold water or showering in cold water, how it's supposed to yes. keep um, keep us mentally happy as well as... I do remember that, Corrie, because I hang on your every word <laughs> despite what you Sometimes say. Sometimes when I chatter, you're looking at your phone. But there was a lovely email uh, from Jenny and it said, cold water friends, so, so true, referring to the podcast of the 15th of February. But even better, there's a group of 20 or so ladies from nine years old to 70 who jump in the bay down the Mornington Peninsula at 7am each morning, all weather, it's freezing, no wetsuits. We hold hands so we don't chicken out. We bob, we swim, we laugh, we scream, we support each other. One month on and it's simply amazing the change in all of us already, physically and emotionally. And I've made friends for life, says Jenny. Oh, isn't that nice? And here's another one, Caro, which will, uh, I'm sure, resonate with you. Hi, Caro and Corrie. Love your podcast, says Victoria. And was delighted to hear you speaking and recommending Maggie O'Farrell's books in recent episodes. She has been my all-time favourite author for nearly 20 years, and I've heard her speak many times. And she's ace in person too, says uh, Victoria. And she says, I wanted to flag that you guys have missed her best, best book, which is her first, After You Gone. I have reread this book maybe 20 times, and although I love her others, this one is by far the best. Corrie, it's still in print. Get it into the bookshop. Well, Corrie, that's one of the ones I um, bought at my funny little second-hand bookshop um, on the New South Wales. Well, it was in, in, in from the coast by one of the Northern Rivers. That is a wonderful book. And you've just lent me um, This Must Be The Place, which I've also finished about the reclusive um, English-French film star hiding out in the wilds of Ireland. And what a saga. There are so many other threads to that story, but I love that too. But I agree that After You'd Gone is a beautiful, beautiful story. It made me cry. I can just see Kate Blanchett in that role of the reclusive. Yes. Can't you? Yes, actually, she'd be perfect. Because they talk about her height and her uh, poise and grace and even in in a pair of wellies. And an old Macintosh. Slightly boho, yes. blonde. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is there any, any other correspondence you wish to share oh, with us? Oh, thank you, Caro. There was a little one on the Instagram account. So anybody can uh, say hello to us via Don't Shoot Pod. That's our Instagram account. And this is from That Lisa. And she says, is there going to be a Don't Shoot Pod footy tipping competition this year? Miss Jane, would you like to just let us know what's happening this week? I've literally just hit... Create. (laughs) Of course there is. There is a footy season. There are going to be people at the MCG this week, including me, watching the first bounce of Richmond, who are unfurling their premiership flag, two premiership flags, because they didn't get to do it last year. And um, we will be tipping round one all nine games, and we'll be doing it every week. And I'm so excited because, once again, I can be humiliated in public for my really bad choices. So all you have to do, look, the links will be in the show notes, but um, head to all the W's, tipping.sen.com.au. So we're part of the bigger overall SEN tipping competition and there are some really great prizes up for, for grabs in that comp. The code is, well, 
check the show notes, but it's W-U-E-C-E-P-P-K or just show, uh, just search Don't the Shoot the Messenger. I, Jane, you know have, I have terrible <laughs> trouble with passwords at the best of times. Yes, no. So if you were um, signed up and you did it last year, I just jumped in and it's all still there. You should still be able to log in via your same email and everything you used last year. So it's all ready to go. So join us. Just search Don't Shoot the Messenger in the tipping.sen.com.au uh, website. Fabulous. And Carol and I and Jane have been talking about having an event in the lead up to the grand final. And I think that would be an appropriate place to acknowledge the winner of the footy tipping competition. And we might even give them a couple of books from the bookshop just because we can. And maybe Prince Wine Store, our lovely sponsor, could throw in a bottle of champs, Caro. We might just do that, Corrie. We'll definitely do that. We might even throw in a nice bottle of wine. Corrie, there is so much going on in the world of federal and state politics. We're sitting here in Victoria where there's a leadership challenge as we speak to the opposition leader, Michael O'Brien, who's really struggling to cut through. We've got a Premier who is not going to be up and about for at least another month or two. Although oh, Caro, the rumours, what happened to him? I'm sick of those rumours. Oh, they normally they normally involve um, Lindsay Fox, don't they, who has come out and said this is ridiculous. Or alcohol, but didn't it happen in the early morning? Like, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't think he was at Lindsay Fox's house, <laughs> and I don't think his wife and family were flown to the Gold Coast last year by Lindsay Fox either. This is Daniel Andrews, but federally, the government seems to lurch from oh, this. This women's issue will not go away for Scott Morrison. Um, he hasn't handled it well, in my view. There was a a march in Monday on Monday. Um, outside Parliament House. There was a march here in Victoria in um, the Flagstaff Gardens. Uh, My husband actually marched and a lot of uh, friends marched. I was recording something for The Age at the time and I couldn't. But um, a friend of ours, Mary, marched in Mullumbimby with her daughter all around Australia. There were people. And, you know, the male commentators who have been talking about this, or who talked about this the following day on Melbourne Radio anyway, really seemed to grapple with um, this issue. What do you want, you women? Most of us men are good. What answers, what are you hoping to achieve? I mean, quite clearly, and I'll ask you this question in a minute, this is about putting something on the table that we have just had enough of so many. It's not just sexual assault, it's sexual harassment, it's sexual discrimination. But I think the, the Prime Minister who's got ongoing allegations regarding Christian Porter, um, now a former partner of the alleged rape victim has come forward and said that he had spoken to Christian Porter about this on more than one occasion. We've still got, we've got to see no sign of Christian Porter or heard when, in fact, he will, or if, he, if ever, come back as Attorney General. The government's still resisting any form of investigation into what happened. And, of course, the Brittany Higgins story that will not go away now that she has found a voice and spoke so incredibly powerfully outside the Houses of Parliament in Canberra yesterday. But, you know, I'll I'll kick off with you, but just to start, for Scott Morrison to say in Parliament that this is just wonderful that we can march in this country and not be met by bullets Mm. was just such a massive, to me, misunderstanding. And also a deflect. When in doubt, talk about democracy and make everybody feel wonderful that oh, we're part of it and are we, are part we, of a community where this can happen. Are we meant to thank the Australian yes. government thank that you. women can march in protest and not be shot? Thank you, Scott, for that. Caro, there are so many points. First of all, uh, the best speech of the day, Grace Tame, of course, Australian of the Year, spoke in, in um, Tasmania. Brittany Higgins was the key speaker at the Canberra Gathering of Women, where I gather there are about five or 6,000 men and women. And... Um, 
clearly hers was the best speech of the day. Commentators have said that, but if you actually do read read her uh, address, it was uh, really terrific. And she says, my story is a painful reminder if it can happen in Parliament House, it can truly happen anywhere. That's at the gist of this whole thing. And I must say, the Libs must be seriously lamenting the day they fell out with Brittany Higgins. What a fabulous speaker. They've lost not only a potentially fabulous party executive, but dare I say, a possible member of Parliament. Wow, oh wow, she has a big future ahead of her. Well, I'm but, glad that she, you know, she wasn't going to speak. She was... She was reluctant to she speak, was going we have to, to get, say that, um, yeah. You know, um, someone else to speak for her, but but she did. And, yeah. and I'm really glad she did. Corrie, just quickly, I, the per- bad men are terrible and do bad things and there will always be bad people. But what just won't go away for me is the good people around that man who covered up or who brushed aside what happened to Brittany Higgins. And that, to me, is what I want to achieve through marching. I want people to understand that the good people have to do more to break this cycle. Well, Caro, yes, but it's even sort of bigger for me. If we talk, first of all, if we look at what's what's facing the Morrison government at the, mo- at the moment, I, look, Parliament, Parliament's workplace culture on what we hear and what you and I perhaps experienced, certainly me when I went to Canberra as a young journalist for a couple of weeks, it's it, it has been disrespectful and sexist toward women for many years. This is not just a Liberal Party phenomenon. But this is happening now on Scott Morrison's watch. He is the CEO of the country. He is the managing director. He is the one in charge. And so it is his job to fix it. And actually, if you think about it, if you're one of his media advisors, you'd be saying, look, politically... This offers you a fantastic opportunity to, to show great leadership. Let's capitalise on this. Now, whether a PM should go outside Parliament House to meet demonstrators, that, that's, a, that's a, an interesting issue. That's an interesting point because you can set yourself up for an uncomfortable precedent. But I think yesterday probably was a good opportunity for him to do so. Why not March? Well, why not? Why, why, not like, why not march? You like could Sarah march. Henderson and a lot of other yeah. um, Liberal members marched. But the, but the, the government the, members marched. In terms of the big, like the big issue here, and you said, you know, what prompts you to march? What prompt? What would prompt me to march? Um, I think Jane Carrow in her article in the Sydney Morning Herald last week put this so succinctly, and she talks about women over hundreds of years being chattels of men and being property of men. You know, the father gives away the bride, um, the days of dowries, all that sort of thing. And she says in this article, women object because defining them as someone's mother, wife or daughter hints at ownership. It reveals a tendency by some men to see the women in their lives as possessions, something to be guarded or protected rather than free and equal human beings. And so then she brings in that whole idea, adultery and even rape, um, is is a crime if the if the man sort of owns the woman? Is this a crime? To what extent extent is this a crime? And it, look, it's just a very thoughtful article, and I urge people to have a look at it. Just just go into Jane Carrow, who is a friend of the podcast, who has been on our podcast before, and and have a have a think about why men why men act the way they do. And the best sign yesterday of all the ones I saw in all the photojournalism that was captured was the sign that said we should be educating the sons, not trying to save the women. You know, that to, yeah, me, well, that to me is when we start creating change. And, and you know, I work in a largely all-male work, workplace and um, I can absolutely say that the young men I work with are just a, a completely different mindset 
than the older men. And um, so that is a very positive sign for the future. A couple of other developments. Christian Porter is suing the ABC and also Louise Milligan. Um, not sure. I didn't see Peter Bartlett's name from Minter Ellison associated with this most recent legal action, although he has been... He's called re- in pretty much the legal team that's, uh, that um, defended Geoffrey Rush in that defamation case a couple of years ago. Yes, and of course, and we know that there's been an issue at Minter Ellison because the female CEO felt that um, Peter Bartlett's decision to represent Christian Porter had upset a lot of the female staff. Peter Bartlett is completely unapologetic, and of course, lawyers. Well, rep- lawyers represent anybody. They regardless represent murderers. Of- <laughs> yes. So, but it was just an interesting sidebar to this story. But just on is- just on that defamation uh, pr- proceeding against the ABC, Caro. Um, what it does actually is it puts a stop to all of the analysis. Like you and I can't talk about this now. We can't refer to Louise Milligan's story upon which this defamation case is uh, is pointed and based. And it really sort of puts an end to the so-called trial by media, which has been a, a buzz term over the last week or two, which I felt somewhat uncomfortable about, well, given that most of the community is talking about it, not well, just his, the media. His view is that the... Um the allegations by re- referring to an unnamed cabinet minister forced him to come out. Yes, so it, it'll, it'll be a really interesting case. And, and, and if it, and if the case proceeds, Carol, the Attorney General will have to give his side of the story. So that kind of makes it interesting. But we do probably, um, you know, we have to acknowledge, of course, that these are all allegations of historical rape that Christian, Christian Porter has addressed the Australian community via media conference and said that he is not guilty of any of them. And um, and in Australia, thank God you are innocent until proven guilty. So we have to say all of that stuff. Well, we need the government but to the, step up because they're struggling. I well, mean, the Cara, deputy there's... PM on the insiders on Sunday. It was just a train. Wreck. Oh God, that was Laura a train Tingle wreck. got the giggles at the end of the interview. <laughs> well, it was she couldn't. She was speechless, Caro. After that, but I just wanted to say something. Regardless of the court action, the defamation case, the question I think that the Prime Minister has to face is a moral one, not a political one, and not a legal one. Is Christian Porter a fit and proper person to hold this job? So. Only the Prime Minister can make that call. And if the Prime Minister was a truly serious CEO, as we'll describe him, surely he should be looking into the into the allegations. He, surely he should be reading the document that Kate, the alleged victim, wrote before she took her own life. If the, if the Prime Minister does not have the time to do this, surely he should be appointing somebody within his office. And maybe, maybe he, he should has. ask his wife what she thinks. <laughs> But he should be doing his own private inquiry, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be digging deeper well, rather I- than just dismissing it? Wouldn't you actually look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Is you know, I can't just I can't just assume innocence here. No, that's off to the courts, or or whatever is going to happen, you know. But shouldn't he just look in the mirror and say, "I'm in charge of this government. What knowledge do I have? I have to make a call here." Well, the suggestion is that. Um if not Christian Porter, members of his camp or his friendship group now see that that is the only way that Christian Porter can return, that he deserves some form of investigation or trial because at the moment it's going to be impossible for him to carry on and clear his name. So, look, a fascinating story, but the um, response to all of this from hundreds of thousands of women around the country, and, of course, we saw what happened in the UK, which was just... Uh, just a horrific um, story that, that led to their big demonstration and what happened when it got out of control with the police. I think that um, 
there is a movement now that will not go away and things have to change. Politicians' attitudes have to change. Quotas have to be introduced, as I've been saying for years, and the legal system has to change to protect women and be far more vigilant against crimes against women. Anyway, look, it's um, it's an ongoing issue. But in the meantime, footy's back. It is, Caro. Gosh, you know, I watched your show uh, on Monday night. Very nice Pretty woman-inspired brown with cream spot dress you it's had a, on. It's a pale pink. It was a top, and it was um, oh. a scandalous top. It was oh, absolutely beautiful, stunning. wasn't it? Oh, I had Julia Roberts in my mind. I've got a lot as of I um, watched you. A lot of those nice silk scandalous tops you'll be seeing <laughs> this year, Corrie. Well, it was a really. I, I don't often see you in that sort of brown coffee-coloured shade. Nice, it really wasn't it? suited you. Yeah. It oh, was anyway. Very nice. Anyway, sorry. As I opposed don't... to all my brilliant <laughs> potties, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. No, you were also brilliant. But uh, like, let's just talk about. The well, not really. No, but Caro, as I was watching the show, which, as you know, is unusual for me because of my bedtime habit, but I just thought of all of these issues facing footy at the moment, you know, crowds and how do you get them back and Be honest, hu- and Corrie, Q&A's verse to move to Thursday Yeah, that's night, right. So. I know. So now I've got, I've got you to watch. Um, but the whole concussion thing which you raised, racism hasn't gone away. And then every club having to take pay cuts and how what are the ramifications of that? There are just so many issues. The rule changes. I am. I, I read the footy pages. I'm overwhelmed by, uh, let alone if you're Gillan McLaughlin trying to work your way through this bird's nest of stuff. So where do you see the key issues lying? Well, it's a massive industry with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people involved, really, thousands at the coalface and um, 18 clubs. So there's always... There's always going to be great stories and human stories when the intensity and the the sort of worth of the prize is what it is. I see... um, I see the big stories for me as the um, the leadership battle for Eddie Maguire at um, to replace Eddie Maguire at Collingwood. Uh, I think it's extraordinary that they've actually brought in a, a search firm, um, a corporate search firm, to sort of at least be seen to be going outside the board itself to try and rebuild the Collingwood Football Club. I mean, but I, I think that's uh, that's expected. That's what corporate Australia does. It's sort of unusual for a chairman role. It usually is. No, no, not. I, I can tell you from previous board but, experience, it's not unusual to have headhunters suggesting people for board chairmanships. I, I get that. Sorry, I'm just meaning in, in a football context, yeah. it's unusual. It doesn't normally happen at no, um, club maybe, level. No, but maybe now's the time. Well, it, that's going to be really interesting and whether the factions will come back and, you know, there's two men on the board, Peter Murphy and Mark Corder, who apparently are vying for that role, but there were others as well. And um, look, it's going to be fascinating what happens in Nathan Buckley's future, of course. Um, he's... Um, I've I, I, can't see him continuing at Collingwood after this year. I think the issues at Hawthorne won't go away and Alistair Clarkson doesn't seem to now have the support from the CEO and the chairman that he once had and I'm not sure that he necessarily would want to be at Hawthorne well, I, after I went this in, year. I went, to a, I went into a tailspin when you mentioned on the football show that um, you thought he might be end up in a Carlton at the moment, they seem to be in the box oh. seat, which is probably a bit rough for poor old David Teague. I mean, he might take Carlton into the finals this year. Can Richmond win three in a row? I mean, obviously, we know about Damon Hardwick's issues off-season and during last year. But despite all of that, they seem to be, and all the blokes on certainly on the show, although Kane Corns had some other thoughts, but seem to be of the view, like me, that Richmond look absolutely 
absolutely not vulnerable in any way at all. And when they, um, anyway, that's going to be really interesting too. I think concussion is going to be an ongoing issue for club directors and the AFL Commission. I mean, I think that they are open now to legal challenges and the fact that two days before the start of the season, they're debating bringing in a concussion sub or a, an injury sub is really interesting. I think um, that sort of seems a bit odd to me that the coaches would push for that so late. So, And obviously crowds, you know, there's a debate over how many, I think that you'll get, I think in Queensland, they're saying 100%. And I'm sure after a couple of weeks, if COVID continues to elude this state, as it seems to be at the moment in Victoria, I think we'll see bigger crowds at the MCG for Anzac Day. And But we often think about, uh, in terms of revenue for the AFL, we often really focus on sponsors, don't we? Yep. But let's think about, for example, the game that you're going to on Thursday night, which would normally be maybe 90 or 100,000 people at the G. Probably 80 to 90. It's going to be 50 or 40. That is a huge diminishing in the coffers, isn't it? Well, it is. But when you look at what happened last year, it's been, as Craig said last night on the other night on Classified, it's been more than 500 days since anyone was able to go to the football in Victoria, an AFL game. I mean, apart from media who sat in the broadcast boxes. It's got a big change for people. Like MCC members have always been able to walk in, even for the big games if they got there early enough without having to do anything. Well, now you have to ring up and book a seat. You don't have to pay, but you've got to book a seat as part of your membership. Now, that won't change this year, and that is something that people are not going to enjoy. So spontaneity is gone from our lives, thanks to COVID. So what about your gang, your usual gang of well, four, Sarah? Well, oh, and Anna from the op shop. Anna from the op shop um, um, had issues. And, and, and um, what's in the Tupperware is what I want to ask. No, well, Anna from the op shop had issues and isn't got, can't go. <gasps> she missed out. I think her daughter Ruby had some issues with a barcode, and it, you know, for a lot of people complained about the process. My Clementine managed to get there um, with a couple of friends. I'll be there um, working on radio, and um, I think Julia, my mother, thought it was all a bit too hard for round one. As did Anna's mother Sarah. So. The party's broken up. The gang won't be there, but I'm confident we'll be there at some point. Well, I hope this year. you. I hope you get the band back together, Caro, before you know the before the end of the year. Now it's time to talk about grog. <laughs> Prince Wine Store is our sponsor. Thank you very much. This is um, princewinestore.com.au. You can order online or you can visit them, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world. If you want to order a wine through Prince, use, and you know I don't like acronyms, so I'm glad it's a shortening, caps M-E-S-S, that's mess in capital letters, at checkout online to receive a listener discount. You'll find the links in our show notes. Corrie, I visited the Barossa Valley last week. Well, I'm dying to hear how you went with your Adelaide radio friends and... Did you enjoy some nice wine? Well, I I actually spoke at a wonderful little winery called Rusden, which is, um, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's in the Barossa Valley, run by a guy called um, Christian Christian Canute. And, um, oh, we had some food from a nearby um, both winery and um, food place where you can eat called Vintners. Absolutely incredible dinner. Nearby, I noticed, was Heggie's, which um, has, I think, a Riesling that you absolutely love. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. Love Heggie's. And I stayed at a gorgeous little, um, well, sort of a B&B, gorgeous little place called um, Lanzarac, which was absolutely lovely. Could you spell that, please, so we can all... L-A-N-Z-E-R-A-C. 
Um, look, it was just a, it, this is a, the, where I spoke at Ruston. They do a famous um, Shiraz called Black Guts, which um, is very, very big, full-bodied Shiraz. It's unbelievable. But they do a great Chenin Blanc, which is probably not so much Riesling in the Barossa Valley. That's more in the Adelaide Hills. Um, I know you're in love. You're having a love affair with Riesling at the moment. But I tell Black, you what, Black Guts sounds. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It is when it you is. when you drink Guinness for the first time, and nobody tells you that the next morning, when or whenever it is, when you do number twos, they're oh. black, <laughs> and was, you get the shock of your life. And how appropriate that we're speaking on St Patrick's Day or around St Patrick's Day, Corey. Um, no, look, um, it, it's a beautiful part of the world to visit, and I, I tend to go. I'm, I intend to my next road trip will be towards South Australia, and I want to check out the Adelaide Hills and more of the Barossa Valley. But I love Adelaide. To go to a family-run winery where Christian actually brought back all the grapes back into his family and runs it, you know, with the help of his mum and his wife. It, it's just a gorgeous little place, and I really recommend their cellar so, door and the Lanzarac. So it would be really great to talk uh, about a bit more maybe next week or something, Miss Jane, if we call out to our potties, if you have any recommendations regarding the Barossa Valley or indeed any wine districts, wine areas where you can have a couple of overnight stays somewhere nice and which wineries you should visit, we'd love your tips because we're all travelling in Australia this year. We are and we need to rediscover. I'd been to the Barossa Valley for more than 20 years. It was sort of embarrassing. I've never, I've never been so I think I'll just have to get in the boot of your car and come on your road trip. Less than an hour and a half from Adelaide Airport. Unbelievable. My favourite place, I, I must say, while on the topic of lovely wine areas and interesting places, for me in Victoria, I just can't beat the Mornington Peninsula, you know. Again, um, well, not this summer, the summer before, because we couldn't go anywhere this summer, but we ended up at my favourite Foxy's Hangout, just having one of the grazing platters, sitting there having a glass of their beautiful wine, looking at the vineyard and you can there are dozens of places on the Mornington Peninsula where you can do that not just Foxy's Hangout but Montalto uh, Jackalope, which is really glam. Portsea Estate are making some wonderful wines at the moment and blends. There's so many, Carol. The, the Back I mean, Beach Chardonnay is particularly and even, nice. And even the Merrick's General Store in Merrick's, or just out of Merrick's, you can call in there and they've got a fabulous wine selection and... Um, yeah, I just think it's a great place to visit. That's what I would be suggesting. Well, um, there's a lot of Australia to visit. And as you said, Corrie, a lot of people are going to be visit- visiting it. So that is absolutely wonderful. Now, um, you have a crush. Well, which I, I think Red Energy, 100% Australian Electricity and Gas, are going to be very fired up about. I do. And I'm, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to delve into the world of journalism now. Um, this woman has been around for a long time, um, left um, her previous network under a blaze of publicity and some of it negative and some of it not portraying her as she should. But I just want to give a mention to Lisa Wilkinson, who was the journalist who helped sort of break the Brittany Higgins story and managed to um, regain the, gain the faith of Brittany Higgins and do that fabulous interview on Channel 10, who was going to speak on behalf of Brittany Higgins at the Women's March, the Women for Justice March at Parliament House in Canberra on Monday. But in the end, I think, helped convince Brittany Higgins that she could speak herself. Um, she, I, I remember listening to her Andrew Ollie address several years ago, um, a few years before I, in fact, delivered my address. Very few women had done the address back then. On It's sort of about journalism, I suppose. But she, she's had an unbelievable career. Editor, obviously brilliant public speaker, great journo, 
you know, it was such a big career move. And Was, wasn't she an editor of Dolly initially? Yes, but, yeah, it, but also I, the Woman's Weekly. Yeah, but I seem to recall when I was working at Harper's Bazaar, she was a like a serious junior. And I think around that time she just she just rocketed up to this role of editor and everybody was rather surprised, but she was terrific at it. Look, I just think that, you know, that stuff that was said about her when she left Channel 9 um, and, you know, that she wasn't doing this and she didn't do that and she didn't deliver on this, I thought, look, I, I just don't think you do get as much of that with men who do – who's de- – misdemeanours have been so much more serious in terms of um, morning and breakfast show hosts on those networks. So I just think she's done a wonderful job. And the Brittany Higgins story is one that will not go away and has um, lit a fuse really across the country. So that is my crush of the week, Corrie, for Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Now it is time for BSF. Books, another acronym I know, and you have a book that sounds wonderful. It is a really lovely book, Carol. I think if there are, there are, there's a lot of murder, mystery, and what the publishing world calls domestic noir at the moment, and it can become a bit overloading and a bit heavy and a bit depressing too. So I've gone for something that is bright and cheerful and the most beautiful writing. And I think your husband, Brendan, might enjoy this one, Caro, because it's set in County Clare in Ireland. It's called This Is Happiness by Irish writer Niall Williams, who is a really beautiful writer. He has been long-listed for a Booker Prize a few years ago. This book, which is called This Is Happiness, uh, came out maybe a year, year and a half ago, but it's come out in a second format with a photograph of a rabbit on the cover. It is the most alluring book to the extent that my colleague at the shop, Deb, and myself both said, we've got to read this, even though we had the original with a less interesting cover a while back. So I took it home and I read it in a couple of days. It's a beautiful story of love and love lost and love regained, and particularly a coming of age of a 17-year-old boy who is the narrator, No, which is uh, N-O-E, which is short for Noel. And Caro, this is some the, the book starts with No as uh, as an old man nearing his 80s and he's looking back on his life at a time when electricity first came to the little village of Faha, F-A-H-A, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, in County Clare and its impact on the community when electricity first came in the 1950s to this little um, eccentric, curious village. And No is looking back on his life. Um, he at the time that he arrived in Faha, he had just dropped out of the seminary where he had promised his mother who was dying that he would become a priest. And after her death, he is so forlorn and so unhappy in the seminary, he decides to head off to his grandparents' home in Faha. Ganga and Dodi are the grandparents and they are hilarious and quickly, very quickly, No is swept up into village life. And I guess all of those eccentricities and rituals that uh, define that kind of um, life. Cast of characters, Caro, that are hilarious, superbly fleshed out. It's incredibly quirky. And as Anna from the Op Shop would say, I found myself chortling on a number of occasions with husband um, beside me in the bed saying, what are you reading now? I just go, oh, you know, (laughs) the same book. Caro, not a lot happens in This Is Happiness, and yet an awful lot does. We have the Rural Electrification Scheme, which brings the electricity to the town. And, of course, most of the villagers are very suspicious of this new fandangled uh, invention. And then there is the arrival of a stranger, Christy, Christy McMahon, who is determined to make 
amends for the sins of the past and Noah's gentle shift, which I love from the grieving lost boy to the one who develops a hopeless crush on the local doctors, not one, two, but three daughters. (laughs) And of course, he rediscovers joy in his life through fiddle playing, which he hadn't done for many years. And of course, it was never allowed in the seminary. There are lots of hilarious scenes. The town meetings to convince the village folk to sign up with the electricity are hilarious. The Irish government's representatives who purchased timber for the poles from the Finnish forest in Finland, the forest administrators, is hysterical. Noah and Christie regularly are on this pub-to-pub stalking of a famous famous Irish fiddle player who's rumoured to be touring County Clare. And then, of course, Noah's first date with Charlie, one of the doctor's daughters, just takes you right back to being in the back row at the theatre on your first date with a boy. Happiness indeed, Caro. Beautiful book. Oh, okay. Then That is by Niall by Niall Williams. Cannot recommend it more highly. Now, you've finally finished Call My Agent. Oh, lordy. Is it, this is our screen for the week. It's a Netflix show. It's a um, multi... Four um, series. Multi-series French comedy drama about a talent agency in Paris. It has made me fall in love with Paris all over again, this series. It is wildly, wildly scandalous what goes on. It stars a series of French film stars from who come in as playing themselves in so many, pretty much everyone from, Cara, except for Gerard Depardieu is in it. Well, I've, of course, I've Googled the bejesus out of this show since I've fallen in love with it. And I, I found that they were all like desperate to be on this show. Julia, Julia Binoche, yep. Isabelle Huppert, Isabelle Bella Jani, uh, Jose Garcia, Jean Dujardin, Dujardin, Guy Marchand, who I love, and Monica Bellucci, who is just so great. And we also see Sigourney Reaver. And they all play themselves. And the Sigourney Weaver episode, because she can speak French, and she takes on board this idea of appearing in this indie film and arrives. And, of course, the agents, call my agent agents, she is their star. It's hilarious. The lies they tell, the inappropriate office behaviour, the internal scandals. It opens with um, the death of the long-time owner and founder and boss of the agency who they all adore. And um, the storyline, you know, threads its way through four series. Samuel Samuel Kerr. About what happens with him, what happened, you know, his wife and um, his very angry wife. Um, But the the character that really resonated with me is the main woman in the show. Andrea. Andrea Martel. She is just... Played by Camille Cotin. And she is great. And so the the I mean once uh, her life Sa- is a mess. In the first episode, we're not giving anything away here. But once Samuel Kerr, the founder of the agency, um, dies, we we think through a wasp swallowing a wasp while on holiday. The four his four colleagues and minor partners in the business, Andrea, Gabriel, Arlette, and Matthias, are the ones who have to keep the show running. Is and Arlette the one with the dog? Yes, it's <laughs> fantastic. How much do we love the dog? I know. No, look, it's a it's a great idea. It took a, a show about office politics is long overdue in this way, particularly one that brings in film stars, the glamorous world of film. You know, when they go to Cannes, it's just it goes absolutely crazy. No, it's a fantastic. I'll, g- I'll give you five bucks if you can remember the dog's name. No. Jean, Jean Gabin. Oh, that's it. Well, you've watched it more recently than me. Really <laughs> it recommend it. It is great. It's great. Call Your Agent. I was really hooked. I, I jumped onto it when the lockdown in February occurred. Um, and once again, I was in a fetal position and I have not stopped watching it. So thanks for the tip, Carol. I loved it. Now, 
Now we should screen and food, and we're coming to the final component, food, and you have a recipe. I do, and it comes um, um, via my daughter Clementine. Not again. Well, oh God, she should have her own podcast, Miss well, Jane. Well, she made this unbelievable thing for me over the weekend. It was a salad. Um, it's basically. It's eggplant and broad beans. I mean, two of our favourite ingredients, Corrie, let's face it. If you love eggplant, then it's fantastic. It's by a guy called Tony Tan. Yes, it comes from the Gourmet, Gourmet Traveller web, website. She used endnami, is that how you pronounce it, beans and not broad beans? Thank you, Jane. You're I looking at me. Nami. Edamame. Oh, anamame. Say it again. Anamame. Edamame, Japanese soybeans. Yeah? They're absolutely beautiful. She used fresh ones, which she peeled herself, but you can buy them frozen if you're feeling a bit lazy. It's a chinese sort of dish. It involves six, to make a, a nice big serving for a dinner or a lunch, six of those long, thin Japanese eggplants, about 600 grams, potted broad beans or edamame beans, as Clementine says, one spring onion, and one teaspoon roasted sesame seeds. That's it. It it says to steam the eggplant, chop them up and steam them. She actually roasted them in the oven. Um, the soy sesame dressing is the thing. It's, there are about eight ingredients involving ginger, light soy, dark soy, caster sugar, sesame paste. You don't really have to worry about that. Um, see the note, and it'll all be in the show notes, and sesame oil. You end up with this beautiful salad of eggplants and beans that is sort of it's soft, it's got crunch, it's got taste, it is a meal in itself, it is fabulous with fish or chicken. Um I highly, highly recommend it. Thank you, Clem, and thank you, Gourmet Traveller, for this absolutely beautiful recipe. That was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro. Please call 131806 for Real Aussie Energy and the Melbourne Base team will help you out. Corrie, you're grumpy. I'm grumpy, Caro, and I'm grumpy about uh, well I'm gr- I'm sort of grumpy on behalf of a friend actually but then it was followed up by an experience of my own. This friend of mine on the weekend was enjoying a girls lunch at one of those bistro pubs. Yes. And there were a group of women in their 60s all having a great time after a year of lockdown. They'd all had a gathering, they were having a lovely time. And then a girl who later when she was asked by my friend how old are you? Um <clears throat> she said 45. But she looked at the group and made the comment to the group, it's so lovely seeing you all drinking and having a good laugh and a good time. <laughs> that makes you grumpy. And as no wait. And as my friend Susie said, it was an inference about the age. It was definitely an inference about the oh, age. Oh, you old ducks. Correct, Amondo. So when you're that old, you shouldn't be drinking. You're unlikely to be drinking and having fun. You're on my wavelength, sister. Like, it just... So Susie and I, were, like, as soon as Susie said it in the tone of the girl, I said, oh, my God, what did you do then? And so they had a little chat to her, and that's when they asked her how old she was, 45, and she continued with this thing oh. about how lovely it was. <laughs> novel to see the girls having a great time. So then on the weekend, Caro, as you know, I worked in the shop all weekend, and um, I did happen to mention to a customer who would probably be in her 30s, I guess, that I was turning 60 next week. And she went on a similar sort of, oh, gee, gee, you look good for 60 sort of thing. What does that mean? Well, it means you look good for 60. But you don't look 60. No, but what does it... I don't care if I do. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, but you don't. (laughs) It's a compliment. (laughs) Oh, God, don't overthink it, Corrie. Come on. 
You look good for 60. You look you actually you look as though you're in your early 50s. I would take that as a major compliment. I don't know. There's just a ever so slightly, I wouldn't say patronizing, well maybe I would actually tone you go, in the you voice go back of the to young. When you were 30. What did you think of 60? Oh, I don't know. You never thought you you never thought it would happen no, to you. I, well, I you certainly know, didn't. I can remember I can remember giving when I was about 18 or 19, I I hosted for my grandmother her 65th uh, afternoon tea, and all of her friends arrived. And you know, they were such old bats in those days. <laughs> they probably weren't. They you know, there were there were weren't. there were blue rinses. There were perms. Well, head, head there were heavy changed. pearls. There were beards, Carol, as my mother said. Well, you know, I think when you get menopause, you grow a beard and that, your knees drop. That still goes on. <laughs> All right, Corrie is grumpy about uh, the initial grumpy. I agree with. I think the the rest of it. I think you just need to. Caro, six quick questions. Be gracious and take a compliment. Six quick quick questions. What did Piers Morgan's inspired TV walk off remind you of? Oh my lord, Eddie Maguire when he walked off set last year when we were bluing over Steel Side Bottom, except. He then came back and feigned that the walk-off was about bringing these special balls onto the show to talk about some form of football. But that was bizarre, wasn't it? And he, But un- unlike Eddie, Piers, well, we don't know if Eddie's coming back, but Piers um, did come back. It didn't come back. Didn't come back. Gone. That's it. He's obviously was friends with Meg and then he upset her and she froze him out and he's bagged her it ever wasn't since. It wasn't it interesting to hear afterwards that he's, uh, his co-host, the, the woman, I'm sorry, I don't know her name, They've loathed each other for years. He, he, he can, does seem a little bit loathed from the, the old Piers. All the dirt that came out about Piers afterwards. Speaking of, which post Megan and Harry interview analysis resonated most significantly with oh, you? Caro, there was an article in news.com.au a couple of days ago uh, actually dissecting the firm. So the Sussexes talked about the firm and the firm's impact on various parts of their lives. And if we actually drill down to the firm, which was uh, a... a a term coined by the Queen's father, George VI, to refer to the business behind the royal family. Yes, hasn't Um, it changed now? I mean, what what it implies, I mean. But the interesting thing, Caro, is it's not just the individual members of the royal family who make up the firm. It's It's the various royal households and the people who work there. Obviously, the Queen's is the biggest. Now, there are five departments in the royal household, in the Queen's royal household, which include finance, government activities, event management and care of precious artworks and property and, and running the household and so on. Uh, that's just one of them. And then, we've, well, then we have, of course, Clarence House, which is Prince of Wales and uh, the Duchess of Cornwall. So this is an, art, this is an article you It read. dissected it, yes. yes. So yes. dot by dot, how many people were working. Carol, there are hundreds of them. There are hundreds of palace people and also there are competing palaces. So the mob at Kensington Palace, uh, yes. maybe different, different to the, which is um, Wills and um, Kate, might be um, in a different, completely different zone to what's happening at Clarence House with Prince Charles. Oh, a friend of my brother's worked for, um, yeah, worked for one of the, I think for the ma- for the palace, or, or, or was it Princess Diana? And Prin- anyway, it, fascinating. Stuff. And, and what news.com.au did to dissect this was just actually talk about how it's a really unhealthy structure of silos and the silo formation of the corporation. The silos never really talk together or connect. So, of course, they become oppositional forces. So, throw into this the Sussex household. 
goodness gracious. <laughs> Sounds like it's a big employer. Anyway, anyway, it was a really interesting article. I was fascinated. Caro, is it a bad look to take sick leave in Port Douglas? Look, I can. we're talking about Lisa Neville, who is a Victorian minister. Uh, we mentioned the challenge against Michael O'Brien earlier, by the way, and he's, he seems to have survived that challenge. So damage, but pushing on. Um, look, I think that's a bit rough. Lisa Neville has a chronic health condition. And she's given sick leave. I don't blame her for going somewhere warm. I don't either. I thought that was a bit of a storm in a teacup. Corrie, which book industry fact most surprised you this week? Book sales of horoscope books are down 20% since COVID. Oh, people, people are living in a reality that they didn't live in before, including you, I hope. Can you believe Mystic that? Myrtle, I hope you now... <laughs> no, I still read my favourite is... Oh, we'll talk about that another day in another six quick questions. I found that just extraordinary, Caro. Um, which, which regional Victorian town would you like to have seen included in the government's rather curious airline ticket package project? Uh, try Tullamarine. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, why why would you not include Melbourne? Why would you only include Avalon Airport? I'm sorry. That is just – and they've thrown in all these new ones now. Oh, hello. They've thrown in Hobart and Cairns, but no, no, Townsville, I think. Why on earth would you not include Melbourne Airport? Oh, well, because you're not going to win there. It's not a marginal electorate, probably. That's what all this is about. I think Mildura could have done with a bit of love too. Corrie, growing up, what was your favourite kind of birthday party? Slumber party. Or for the young who don't understand that term, sleepover party. Didn't you love it? The I sleeping did. bags full of chips and cheesels the next day. I loved the it record when I was player. doing it. I did lo- love it when I threw them for the my lo- children. <laughs> the lollies, the scary movie on on TV, which if it was Friday night, it would be deadly earnest. Light if as it was, a feather. If it was remember, Saturday- remember Light as a Feather when you'd have seances? Did you ever play that? We did seances. Corrie, Corrie is sick. Corrie is dying. Corrie is dead. Corrie is light as a feather. Lift. Remember that? Do you remember playing that? <laughs> what about the Ouija board? <laughs> is there a ghost? Yeah, Y-E-S. <laughs> but what about, Carol, that, like the ghost storytelling? And uh, like um, now probably it's Bali, but in our day, what about the story about the person who went to deepest, darkest Africa and returned with a lump on her cheek? which got bigger and bigger. Oh, and when they went the to the spider. hospital and pop- popped it, a million little baby spiders came out. <laughs> no, I, I loved slumber parties. I held them at my house and they were always a great success. But I didn't so much look forward to it when my children had them. And these days I just hate to think of how much social media would be going on. But anyway. I remember one slumber party, which was not my own, but it was Saturday night and we had the penthouse club on with Mary Hardy and Mike Williamson. Oh, did you see Shirley and Clancy died? Yeah, I was so sad. I love Shirley. And Doug Parkinson, but that uh, he wasn't on there. But but uh, I've, I've, you've made me lose my point. Oh yes, so I sort of I guess it was an unofficial book. I, I ran a book on on the trots who was going to win. So we'd all sit there in front of the telly and we go, oh, this one, this one, this one. And I don't know what we traded. Maybe we did trade money. I can't recall. Maybe lollies. And I ran the book on the Penthouse Club trots. Oh, I met I, I met someone who went on to become one of my best friends at a slumber party when I was about 12. And we bonded over the fact that, you know, we were too scared to go down to the local hotel and buy grog, which was probably a good idea. At 12? It, well, we sent, we sent the older brother. Anyway, that's another story. Corrie, it's been wonderful, as always. So much to talk about. Next week, we'll be talking, well, we might talk about the 
what happened in the football. And we we'll might be talking, be talking about Richmond. Who knows? When we, surprise, surprise. Well, people think Richmond are going to lose. I don't. Anyway, footy tips um, are going to be on a separate podcast that you'll be able to listen to very soon. But thank you to our supporter, Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, and to the wonderful Prince Wine Store. You can connect with us via Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to get our show notes via our weekly newsletter delivered, hit the sign up button on Facebook or in our show notes and send us an email and we'll subscribe you. Email feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au and you can join our footy tipping competition by going to www.tipping.sen.com.au The league code is W-U-E-C-E-P-P-K or search for Don't Shoot the Messenger links. Corrie, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy.